Hello, and welcome to Words on Film, the spoken word podcast dedicated to moving pictures. I'm Dan Burke, your host and movie critic, and I'm here to tell you exactly what I think of some of the latest movies out right now. For this special show, we're going to go over the Oscar nominations, who I think should win. But first, I was actually going to talk about the nominations for this particular award ceremony because I assumed that the award ceremony was going to be the night before the Oscar telecast, which is going to be on April 25th, 2021 on ABC. And uh, I'm not going to do that um, because it turns out that the Golden Raspberry Awards, better known as the Razzies, have already been announced this morning. There was a video posted on YouTube, which I'm not going to play for you because I don't have those kinds of uh, capabilities, but I will actually go through the list of uh, quote-unquote winners for the Razzies. Let's start from the bottom. The worst screenplay winners, quote-unquote. The nominees for this category include 365 Days, all three Barbie and Kendra movies, Doolittle, Fantasy Island, and Hillbilly Elegy. And Hillbilly Elegy, man, got ripped apart <clears throat> from all the uh, nominations it got. But the winner in this category is 365 Days. And this is one of the few films that was nominated for a Razzie that I actually saw. This was a Netflix original, and it was pretty bad. It was kind of like... Fifty Shades of Grey with even more misogyny and melodrama, if that can be believed. And 365 Days had an, was an asset in terms of being a great-looking film, and it was a foreign film at that. But unfortunately, the story was terrible, the dialogue was pretty bad, and the characters were cardboard. So... 365 Days won the award for Worst Screenplay, and I think, based on what I saw, that was actually deserving. I did not see Doolittle this year, I didn't see Fantasy Island, and I've never heard of the three Barbie and Kendra movies until I read the list of Razzie winners. So, for that reason, I can't make any judgments really about how bad or how good those movies were. I can tell you that I initially assumed that when they mentioned Barbie and Kendra movies, it was those uh, direct-to-video animated Barbie films that I that I have not seen from beginning to end, and you could probably guess why, judging from the sound of my voice, i.e. I'm an adult male, and if I did see one of those films, I'd either have daughters or be an incredibly creepy person. But... <laughs> Anyway, um, I assumed that the, the Barbie and Kendra movies were those, the ones that were released by Mattel, had that really creepy 3D animation. But it turns out that the Barbie and Kendra movies are actually horror comedy films. But apparently they weren't scary or funny enough because they were nominated for several awards at the Razzies. So moving on. Worst remake, ripoff, or sequel. The nominees are 365 Days, which according to the... Um, Golden Raspberry Committee is a Polish remake slash ripoff of Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm not sure if that was the intention, but it had a lot in common with Fifty Shades of Grey. 
And Fifty Shades of Grey is not a piece of art you should emulate. The other nominees are Doolittle, which is obviously a remake of the 1967 um, musical film, and also the Eddie Murphy film from 1998, which was better than I expected it to be. Fantasy Island, which is not only a remake, but more of a reimagining of Fantasy Island, the show from the 70s starring Ricardo Montalban. And it was a reimagining because Fantasy Island is a horror movie released by uh, Bloomhouse. And I didn't get to see that. I remember when it was released in theaters early last year. But again, Fantasy Island um, is one of the nominees. Hubie Halloween, which they say is a remake or ripoff of Ernest Scared Stupid, which I actually have seen. <laughs> I, I am a cinephile, but I also see movies that are incredibly stupid. And yeah, Hubie Halloween had quite a bit in common with Ernest Scared Stupid. I wouldn't have called it a ripoff of it, but it was still a bad movie. And the last nomination is Wonder Woman 1984, which is, of course, a sequel to... 2017's, excuse me, 2018's Wonder Woman, which I thought was a fantastic movie. Wonder Woman 1984, I still haven't seen, but I hear some bad things about it. The winner in this category is Doolittle. And I, again, I can't say whether or not that was the right decision, but one thing I can say is that I um, just heard bad things about it. So on to the category of Worst Director. The nominees for Worst Director are Charlie Band for all three Barbie and Kendra movies, Barbara Bilowas and Tomas Mendez for 365 Days, Stephen Gangan for Doolittle, Ron Howard for Hillbilly Elegy, and Sia for Music. The winner in this category, again, well, winner in quotes, is Sia for the film Music. And I have not seen the, the movie Music yet. Um, and I, I actually expected better things for it, considering it's directed by a very unique uh, singer-songwriter. But this movie was torn to shreds when it came out on streaming platforms. I'd still like to see it for myself, just to know what all the hype is about, even if it's negative hype. But I I know it was uh, accused of being Oscar bait. So <laughs> now on to worst screen combo. The nominees are Maria Bakalova and Rudy Giuliani. Yes, that really is Rudy Giuliani for Borat's sub- subsequent movie film. Robert Downey Jr. and his utterly unconvincing Welsh accent for Doolittle. Harrison Ford and that totally fake-looking CGI dog, dog is in quotes, Call of the Wild, Lauren Lapkus and David Spade for The Wrong Missy, and Adam Sandler and his grating simpleton voice for Hubie Halloween. So I have not yet seen Borat's subsequent movie film in its entirety, but I do actually have a subscription to Amazon Prime now, and that is actually the only way I was able to see all eight of the Best Picture nominees, uh, nominations, or, yeah, nominees. Um, so Borat's subsequent movie film is on the list, but what's interesting is that the winner for Worst Screen Combo was um, Borat's subsequent movie film, but according to um, the Golden Raz, excuse me, the um, Rotten Tomatoes website, 
Maria Bakalova and Rudy Giuliani were nominated for this award, but according to another website, Yahoo Entertainment, um, which the yeah Yahoo Entertainment, the winner in this category was Rudy Giuliani and his pants zipper. So that's no reflection on how good or how bad the Borat's subsequent movie film is. It's just a film that has permanently ruined Rudy Giuliani's reputation. Although he hasn't quite gotten the fall, in my opinion, that he really deserves. But on to Worst Supporting Actor. Uh, Actually, let me do Worst Supporting Actress first. Worst Supporting Actress. The nominees are Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, Lucy Hale for Fantasy Island, Maggie Q for Fantasy Island, Kristen Wiig for Wonder Woman 1984, and Maddie Ziegler for Music. Truthfully, the only film I've seen in this category is Hillbilly Elegy, but I do find it astonishing that Glenn Close was nominated for The Golden Raspberry as well as an Oscar. I think she deserved an Oscar nomination. I don't think she deserved the... um, Razzie nomination. I think that Amy Adams actually deserved that instead. But we're supporting actress. The winner is Maddie Ziegler for music. Again, I can't say that it's a terrible thing because I I haven't seen music, so I can't exactly tell you what that is or whether or not music or Maddie Ziegler deserve that. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke, going down the list of the uh, Razzie Award winners because that list has been announced on Saturday morning, April 24th, and not on April 25th as I expected it. Traditionally, the Razzie Awards are on the night before the Academy Awards. And it's not a huge ceremony, but it's gotten bigger and bigger every year. Eventually, they're going to televise it, but I think this year they canceled the ceremony specifically because of COVID. Granted, there's some very encouraging news about people getting vaccination shots, but we're still not quite where we need to be in terms of herd immunity. We're getting there, but we're not quite there yet. So, getting back to the list of Razzie winners and nominees. Let's go on to Worst Supporting Actor. For Worst Supporting Actor, the nominees are Chevy Chase for The Very Excellent Mr. Dundee, Rudy Giuliani as himself in Borat's subsequent movie film, Shia LaBeouf in The Tax Collector, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Iron Mask, and Bruce Willis in three movies, Breach, Hard Kill, and Survive the Night. With the exception of Rudy Giuliani, it really says something how I know the other four actors. Of course I know who Rudy Giuliani is, but what I'm saying is that the other four actors, it really says something how I know who they are, but I had never heard of these movies 
before I looked at the Golden Raspberry nominations. But the winner for Worst Supporting Actor is Rudy Giuliani as himself. And even though I have not seen Borat's subsequent movie film in its entirety, I, I will definitely by next week. I probably won't review it on this show because I try to focus on brand new films. But I already know about Rudy Giuliani's quote-unquote performance from having seen it on the news. And it, of course, it was a performance, again, I use that term lightly, that broke the internet. Basically, Rudy Giuliani was literally caught with his pants down and uh, he deserved exactly what he got. And I would love to actually see Rudy Giuliani get a physical Golden Raspberry Award. There are some stars who have gotten the Golden Raspberry Award who didn't necessarily attend the ceremony, but they actually asked for it uh, anyway. Bill Cosby, back when he had uh, a better reputation than he does now, actually requested when he won the Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Lead Actor in Leonard Part 6, which is a film I still have not seen to this day, and I'm not really encouraged to do so, but he didn't attend the ceremony, but he did actually request from the Golden Raspberry Committee that he receive a, a Golden Raspberry himself. Uh, I don't know if Rudy Giuliani is going to request that. I doubt it, but it would be funny if he did. And my respect for Rudy Giuliani might go up a little bit, but anyway. And I should say this also about Rudy Giuliani. We are approaching the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Back then, Rudy Giuliani did have a bad reputation when it came to his love life, but he was a hero in the latter part of 2001. It is amazing how far he has fallen. Has he fallen lower than Bill Cosby? That's debatable, but anyway, I'm just going to get back to the list of Razzie nominations and winners. So, on to the category of Worst Actress. The nominees are Anne Hathaway for The Last Thing He Wanted and Raul Dahl's The Witches, Katie Holmes for Brahms' The Boy 2 and The Secret, Dare to Dream, Kate Hudson for Music, Lauren Lapkus for The Wrong Missy, and Anna Maria Sigluka for 365 Days. The winner in this category for Worst Actress is Kate Hudson for Music. And again, I can't make any judgments about how Kate Hudson did in the film because I haven't seen music, and I have a rule when it comes to movies that are either good or are bad. I can't make any judgment about how they are without having seen them myself. And even in some bad movies, I can look at certain performers or certain aspects and think that that's actually a very good performance in a very bad movie. Maybe the same could be said for Kate Hudson, and she won this award because of reputation alone. Because truth be told, Kate Hudson has not made a great movie since Almost Famous, which came out over 20 years ago. But I think she actually has it in her to turn in another great performance. And when she does, it'll be considered one of uh, the most unlikely comebacks. And Americans love a comeback. That's all I've got to say about that. So, on to Worst Actor. For Worst Actor, the nominees are 
Robert Downey Jr. for Doolittle, Mike Lindell, also known as the My Pillow Guy for Absolute Proof, Michelle Morone for 365 Days, Adam Sandler for Hubie Halloween, and David Spade for The Wrong Missy. The winner in this category is Mike Lindell for Absolute Proof. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I had not seen or heard of Absolute Proof, but actually it turns out if you do the right kind of Google search, you can watch Absolute Proof Proof, excuse me, for free online. And I saw about 10 minutes of it, and it's not really a movie. It's basically Mike Lindell sitting at a desk very similar to Alex Jones's death, a uh, desk, excuse me, uh, that was a bit of a Freudian slip there. Alex Jones's uh, desk when he hosted his popular YouTube show that was so bad that YouTube actually banned it. And it's basically Mike Lindell trying to convince people that the 2020 election was stolen. And it's, it's just astonishing to me how many people actually believe that. They need to drop it and they need to move on. That's all I got to say about that. And Mike Lindell is shooting himself in the foot personally and professionally by just latching on to this bogus conspiracy theory. Actually, it's not even a conspiracy theory because conspiracy theories by definition have to be proven or disproven. And the notion that um, there was vote, there was widespread voter fraud has been disproven. So Mike Lindell and others need to drop it. But my point being that absolute proof really was not worth watching. I mean, it's a, it's a video, not a movie that was just barely over an hour and was basically like a talk show. And it would have actually been very funny as well as very maddening if Mike Lindell had actually made this into a scripted drama. Maybe he will someday, but I guess you could consider him the worst actor because he has not convinced me that the 2020 election was stolen from Donald Trump, and it's very unlikely that he is going to convince anybody who's not a member of the choir. On to the last category, which is Worst Picture. And the nominees are, the dishonorable nominees are, 365 Days, Absolute Proof, Doolittle, Fantasy Island, and music. So a lot of these pictures have had several nominees before it. The winner in this category is Absolute Proof, also known as the Mike Lindell movie I just described to you. And maybe that was a little bit of a cheap shot because Absolute Proof is not really a movie. First of all, it's only slightly over an hour. I think it clocks in at 70 minutes, which I think may be the minimum for a movie, but it is the bare minimum in terms of length for a movie. Any movie that's less than that is a short. And secondly, it's not a movie. It's just Mike Lindell sitting at a desk claiming that he has um, absolute proof, hence the the name of the so-called movie, that Donald Trump actually won the election. So overall, the, the the nominations and the winners here are largely of movies that I haven't seen, and it's unlikely that a lot of other people uh, haven't seen them either. And the Razzie Award Committee actually awarded in a, 
in a special award to 2020 for being the worst year in memory. I think that is particularly uh, well-deserved because I, I think even the worst movie of the year, which could be absolute proof, it could be some other film, was nothing in comparison to how bad 2020 was as a year. But now that I've gone through the worst of 2020 in terms of movies, now it's time to look at some of the best films nominated this year. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. Now that I've told you about the winners, or so-called winners, of the Razzie Awards, it's now time to get into the ceremony that will be airing the night of April 25th, 2021, on ABC, just like it does every year. This is actually going to be the third year in a row where the Academy Awards does not have a host. And I think this is going to be its only ceremony that's been televised that is not in the Kodak Theater or any other grandiose, ostentatious theater that generally holds the um, Academy Awards ceremony. It's going to be doing the same thing that other awards ceremonies this year, like the Emmys, the Grammys, and all the other ostentatious, auspicious award ceremonies have done, which is having some people who are part of the movie industry just tell you what's nominated. They're going to say what who the winners are, and whoever wants to be on camera will give an acceptance speech from the comfort of their own home. That's how I predict it's going to be. I highly doubt, even with the rising uh, rate of vaccinations, which is encouraging news, that the Oscars are going to risk being in such a big theater, even if they do the six feet apart social distancing. But I'm very interested to see how these Oscars are going to be. And let me just get into the nominations. So for Best Picture, let's start from the top. The nominees are The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. These are eight excellent films. And this may be the first year in a little while where we don't see a film that is a frontrunner. And and i got to be honest with you, of these films that I've seen, I think six of them I absolutely love. The one that I didn't love per se was Mank. And apparently I wasn't the only one because according to Rotten Tomatoes, Mank has the lowest rating of any of the Best Picture nominees. It's at 83%. 83% is still fresh, but again, I didn't think Mank was an especially great movie. The movie I would love to see win Best Picture this year would be Minari. That's the film about a Korean family that immigrate from Korea 
settle for a little while in California. And when we meet them in the film, they are settling in Arkansas where they're looking to create their own farm and live off the fat of the land. It's a film that has semi-autobiographical elements in it. I don't know if it's based on actor Steven Yoon's experience or the experiences of those who either directed the film or wrote the screenplay for it, but it does feel like a movie that could be based on a true story. I thought it was a, a really great film, and you didn't quite know where the narrative was going. You're watching the film, and you're wondering, is this farm going to sustain them uh, financially? Will the the already fraught marriage in the film be saved? Is somebody going to die during this process? It leaves a lot of questions, and I promise you that I'm not spoiling anything when I tell you that um, <laughs> these questions about Minari, because it's it's a film that I'm not going to explain any further. I, th- I think this is the film that, that probably stands out as being the best. If I were to choose one that will probably win, my guess is Nomadland. And Nomadland was an excellent film as well. I, it's just very hard for anybody, even a critic like myself who goes out of his way to see these films, to really pick the best of the best of the best. But Nomadland seems to resonate with a lot of people, particularly in this uh, year 2020, where people are living different kinds of lives than previous years. In other words, there are people who are used to being socially isolated, and there are people who are used to working jobs just to make ends meet as opposed to having a career. This is the way it's been for a lot of people, especially in 2020, but also since 2008 when the um, stock market crashed and there are still people out there who are still recovering from that market failure, even though the economy as a whole did make a recovery years later. I could get into politics and everything, but I think that Nomadland might be the one that resonates with more people. It's just Minari, I think, is the one that had, I think, the best acting, the best story, and really had me hooked. There are certainly a lot of sad parts in it, but that's my pick, Minari. On to Best Actress in a Leading Role. The nominees are Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andra Day for The United States vs. Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand for Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. I think that the... Ah, man, this is really tough, too, because... All five of these actresses did an amazing job in their roles. I would probably say, and this is really tough for me to pick because this this is probably the most competitive. This is the one where I love all five of these actresses. I love them in their movie, and I thought they did an amazing job. But... If I were to pick somebody who I think should win, I think it would probably be Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. 
And it's, it's really hard for me because I loved Andra Day in the United States versus Billie Holiday. I think not only did she do an amazing job in that film, she also, I think, portrayed Billie Holiday better than Diana Ross did in Lady Sings the Blues, for which Diana Ross was also rightly nominated for Best Actress back in 1973. But Viola Davis hit it out of the park as Ma Rainey and had amazing chemistry on film with Chadwick Boseman and the other actors in the film. I would say, however, that the actress who will win is probably going to be Frances McDormand because I do think, for the reasons I mentioned for Best Picture, there are a lot of reasons that Nomadland is going to resonate more with not only people in Hollywood, but also Americans in general. And granted, it's not the People's Choice Awards. It's not people outside of the movie industry that are going to vote for this particular award. And everybody has their reasons and their unique opinions for voting for uh, certain people. But I think Frances McDormand has enough clout as an actress. And she also has a lot of freedom as an actress that not very many other actresses except maybe Meryl Streep and a few others have. She is somebody who has been bold about the performances she's chosen from Fargo to Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, both of which she deservedly won for Best Actress in her respective years. I think she might get a third statuette, very similar to Meryl Streep, for Nomadland. However, unlike Meryl Streep, Frances McDormand could be the first actress, or rather, not the first actress, but the first actress in modern day to win three Academy Awards for Best Leading Actress. But anyway, moving on to the next category. For Best Actor in a Leading Role, the nominees are Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Stephen Yoon for Minari. Now, what makes this category particularly difficult is that there are a lot of history-making nominations here. Chadwick Boseman is being nominated posthumously. Anthony Hopkins was nominated for this Academy Award at the age of 83, which makes him the oldest nominee for Best Actor in movie history. And Stephen Yoon is the first actor of Korean descent to be nominated for Best Actor. So... These three have the best chance. With all due respect to Reese Ahmed and Gary Oldman, I, I think Reese Ahmed may be the first actor of Pakistani descent to be nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role. I could be wrong about that, but I do know that the other three nominations are absolutely true. And I believe that Chadwick Boseman is the first actor to be nominated posthumously for Best Actor in a Leading Role since... Peter Finch, um, who played Howard Beale in Network, which is one of my top 10 favorite films of all time. But I do think that Chadwick Boseman is going to win this one for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and I think he, he deserves it. Not because he's dead, but because he turned in an amazing performance in this. And I think he and Viola Davis had great chemistry on screen. He also played somebody who was not particularly likable, but definitely someone who felt real and was 
relatable if you learned to see the world through his point of view. He's not condonably selfish, but he's understandably so. And I think that Chadwick Boseman sold this performance. If there's anybody who's probably going to pull off an upset, it would most likely be Anthony Hopkins, who, if he wins this award, this will be his first Academy Award that he's won since 1992 when he won for playing Hannibal Lecter in The Silence of the Lambs. An award, by the way, that was very deserved, but Anthony Hopkins, to his credit, whether he's been in a good film or a bad film, he has not stopped. But I think Chadwick Boseman is going to win this one, and I think that he deserves it. to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. Continuing my list of Oscar nominees that either will win or should win. Maybe there are some of them that I think should win that I think has the best chance of uh, winning. So, on to Best Actor in a Supporting Role. The nominees are Sasha Baron Cohen for The Trial of the Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Paul Rossi for Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. One of the things that is criminal about this uh, nomination list this year is the fact that, first of all, I do think that Chadwick Boseman should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor for The Five Bloods a movie that came out last year directed by Spike Lee that I think was not better than Black Klansman, but I do think it should have been nominated for more Academy Awards than it ultimately did. Another thing that bothers me about this list is Lakeith Stanfield was the lead actor in Judas and the Black Messiah. What the Academy was thinking, nominating him and Daniel Kaluuya for Best Supporting Actor for, for the same movie, I don't know. But there should have been some way to distinguish who is the lead actor and who is the supporting actor. My argument is Lakeith Stanfield because, A, he's mentioned in the credits first. He's given top billing. B, you're introduced to him first. And C, you are given more of a perspective of Lakeith Stanfield's character than you are Daniel Kaluuya's character. So I think for that reason, Lakeith Stanfield probably shouldn't win for Best Supporting Actor, with all due respect. I can't say um, what what I think about Leslie Odom Jr.'s performance. In One Night in Miami, Leslie Odom Jr. plays the role of Sam Cooke. I hear he's really good in it, and he is certainly an accomplished 
screen and stage actor, particularly how he originated the role of Aaron Burr in Hamilton. So he might have a chance. He might be an upset. But I do think that Daniel Kaluuya probably turned in the strongest supporting performance in Judas and the Black Messiah. And there was certainly a Shakespeare-like conflict, a personal conflict between his character and Lakeith Stanfield's character in the film. Both of them were great. But I do think because Daniel Kaluuya probably deserves to be considered more of a supporting actor than Lakeith Stanfield. I think, and plus he turned in an amazing performance. Daniel Kaluuya, I think should get this one. Sasha Baron Cohen could pull off an upset for playing Abby Hoffman in the trial of the Chicago seven. And there are a lot of actors before who have played Abby Hoffman on screen. Uh, there was the anonymous guy from Forrest Gump. There was Vincent D'Onofrio in Steal This Movie. There was Hank Azaria in a stop motion, uh, not a stop motion, motion capture animated film called The Chicago 8 that I thought was actually really good. But my pick for this one, the one who should win, is Daniel Kaluuya. Will he win? I think so for the reasons I said that he's more of a supporting actor than Lakeith Stanfield. But... Sasha Baron Cohen could potentially pull off an upset. But then again, I haven't seen One Night in Miami, so I could be wrong. On to Best Actress in a Supporting Role. The nominees are Maria Bakalova for Borat's Subsequent Movie Film, Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Coleman for The Father, Amanda Seyfried for Mank, and Yoon Ya Young for... Minari. Having recently seen Minari, my guess is that Yoon Ya-Young should win for Best Supporting Actress for this film because there are scenes between her and Steven Yoon that are devastatingly realistic. I'm not going to give away what happens at the end of Minari for those of you who haven't seen it because this is a no-spoiler show, but... There is one last speech that Yunya Young makes at the end of Minari that is flat out heartbreaking. And I think that she probably deserves to win this award. Uh, Glenn Close, I thought, did an amazing job in Hillbilly Elegy. So Glenn Close might pull off an upset. And this is the eighth time, the eighth, that Glenn Close has been nominated for an Oscar. And she has not won yet. But she actually was nominated alongside Olivia Coleman for the movie The Favorite a couple of years ago for Best Leading Actress. And Olivia Coleman beat her for uh, the film that she was in. And I thought that Glenn Close should have won. But Olivia Coleman might actually pull off an upset over Yunya Young for her role in The Father because she plays the daughter of the titular father, Anthony Hopkins. And she does a great job as somebody of sound mind who's trying to deal with her father who is giving in more to dementia. And her performance is certainly heartfelt. I really did love Glenn Close's performance in Hillbilly Elegy. I thought that was the movie's saving grace. But I do think that given how the movie was critically panned, deservingly or not, you be the judge. I don't think it was deserving. 
I don't think Glenn Close gets this one, but my my choice for who should win is Yunya Young. Who will win? <clears throat> Probably Olivia Coleman. Uh, I would bet. On to Best Director. The nominees for Best Director are Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round, David Fincher for Mank, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman. I would think, having seen all of these films, that I think this is one of the only times, it may be the first time, that there are two women who are nominated for Best Director. It is kind of astonishing to me that Regina King was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Director alongside Chloe Zhao and Emerald Fennel, but I do think that the of the movies that I've seen here, and I have not seen another round. That's the only foreign film that's not uh, that's nominated for best director. I would imagine that Chloe Zhao will win and should win because Nomadland is an excellent film. It's certainly a film that has resonated with a lot of people, and considering that a lot of people have access to Hulu, a lot of people have seen it. And also, it is a tremendous accomplishment for someone who has never been nominated before. And in a category where only one woman, Catherine Bigelow, has won before, I think the odds are certainly in her favor. And I I think that David Fincher did a decent job directing Mank, but it's not one of his best films. And again, these are all uh, great films, but I think Chloe Zhao has this one for Nomadland. On to the next category. Best Original Screenplay. The nominees are Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Who do I think should win? Promising Young Woman. The reason for this is because even though I have not reviewed Promising Young Woman on the show, I have seen it. I probably will review it on a future show. But this is the story that had me, that that felt the least formulaic, so to speak. And being a movie being formulaic is not necessarily a bad thing, but I do think that Promising Young Woman was the film that had the most mystery to it and the most intrigue. The other movies, to a certain extent, they weren't exactly predictable, but I knew where the stories were going, if that makes sense. But Promising Young Woman, I thought, had the most solid story, and it it was the one that felt the least formulaic. Who do I think will win? The Trial of the Chicago 7. The reason I say that is because, first of all, it is a great movie with intriguing characters and uh, certainly... A, a really good courtroom drama, but it was also written by Aaron Sorkin. This was actually not based on a book or on courtroom transcripts. If it was, the movie would have certainly said this, but Aaron Sorkin was left to his own devices to figure out, based on real events, what transpired in a courtroom. And considering that Aaron Sorkin has training in law and he was previously nominated for Best original screenplay for A Few Good Men, he knows how to make a good courtroom drama, and I think the Academy Award voters will award him this honor for this screenplay. 
Is it deserved? In my opinion, not as much as Promising Young Woman, but I do think that The Trial of Chicago 7 is the one with the award to lose here. On to Best Writing Adapted Screenplay. The nominees are Borat's Subsequent Movie Film, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. And The White Tiger, I think this is its only major nomination. That movie was certainly very good. I think the movie that's going to win for this award would be Nomadland for all the reasons I pretty much said. It's a movie that I think was the least predictable. It felt the most realistic. And it's a movie that a lot of Americans, rich or poor, would probably identify with. It certainly had elements of realism as well as a little bit of fantasy or a bit of freedom. And I think that Oscar nominees, or rather the people who are voting for the Oscar nominees, are going to identify the most with that. So Nomadland, I think, is the movie that will win, should it win. That's the question. Well, I do have to say that Borat's subsequent movie film is a film that was only nominated for this category because it uh, it's a sequel. Um, but it's not what I think would qualify as an adapted screenplay because a lot of it seems to be improvised, particularly when Sasha Baron Cohen interacts with other people here. It's, it's supposed to be him getting a rise out of other people, but I don't know why that would qualify as an adapted screenplay. But I do think that the movie that probably should win would be Nomadland. But then again, I have not seen One Night in Miami, so I can't exactly say. Maybe that movie is going to pull off an upset. I don't entirely know for sure, but my pick on who will win is Nomadland, who should win, arguably The Father, I would probably say. On to Best International Feature Film. The movies that are nominated for this category are Another Round, Better Days, Collective, The Man Who Sold His Skin, and Quo Vadis Aida. I can't say which ones are going to be nominated for this or who's who's going to win for this category because truth is I haven't actually seen any of these films. So I'm going to move on here. And even in in years that aren't 2020 where I see literally 250 films a year, I there's there's always at least at least 3 films in the uh in this category of best international feature film, formerly known as best foreign language film that I haven't seen. So Again, I I can't uh, make any judgment. I'm just going to move on. So on to Best Animated Feature Film. I've seen four out of five of these. So the nominees are Onward, Over the Moon, A Shaun the Sheep Movie, Farmageddon, Soul, and Wolfwalkers. Amongst these five films, the only one I have not seen is Wolfwalkers. Maybe now that I have Amazon Prime, I'll be able to see it, but I won't be able to review it for you for this show. But I have seen the other four, and Onward is the Disney Pixar film that came out in theaters right before the pandemic hit. I did see that. I thought it was a decent film, but not one of Pixar's best. 
I did love Farm Again. I thought that was a great semi-silent film that also had a, a really good, well, plot in general, but also had convincing characters and laugh out loud connections to other space movies that came before it, like 2001 A Space Odyssey, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The way they parodied those films was really clever. Over the Moon, I thought, was one that was very well animated. I thought it was a little bit of a kiddie film, but I did admire it for its creativity and for its stellar animation. But I do think the award for Best Animated Feature Film should and will go to Soul, because I thought that Soul had the best story, the most original story, and great music from the likes of John Baptiste and Trent Reznor, amongst other people. On to Best Documentary Feature. The nominees are Collective, Crip Camp, The Mole Agent, My Octopus Teacher, and Time. I can't say what the winner or nominees are going to be for this category because I've only seen Crip Camp and My Octopus Teacher. I really liked My Octopus Teacher. That was a documentary that's a Netflix original that got me hooked. The, the movie Crip Camp, um, which was produced by Barack and Michelle Obama, or it came from their production company, I thought was pretty good. I just didn't think it was a great documentary. I think it was missing one crucial um, ele- uh, storytelling element, but I do think it is an inspiring story. I just don't think it was the best of the documentary features, but I do think that actually Academy Award... Um, voters or members of the Academy might actually vote for Crip Camp based on the fact that Barack and Michelle Obama had a hand in creating it. And people miss Barack and Michelle Obama. Granted, they haven't gone anywhere, but his presidency compared to the presidency of Donald Trump shines in comparison. And that's not my opinion. It's probably the opinion of a lot of people in Hollywood, and I think that will work, quality or not, to Crip Camp's advantage. But I can't exactly say for sure. On to Best Film Editing. The nominees are The Father, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. My guess for who's going to win Best Film Editing is probably going to be The Father, because A lot of the editing for The Father is based on the perspective of a man who is experiencing dementia. And you are just as confused as he is as you're going through the film. And I think that will probably be the most valuable asset when it comes to considering the best editing in this film. But then again, I think that Sound of Metal also has a chance to win this award as well, considering that... Sound of Metal is from the perspective of somebody who is gradually going deaf. And I think that Academy Award voters will take notice of that. But Promising Young Woman also has the possibility of upsetting the other films for this award as well. But my guess is that The Father should be nominated, and I think it will win as well. I I said should be nominated. I think it should win, and I think it will win. On to Best Cinematography. Again, this is one that is very subjective. And again, these are the best of the best of the best, and it's very hard to pick. You know what? Let me just move on to the next category. 
Best Music, also known as Original Score. The nominees are The Five Bloods, Mank, Minari, News of the World, and Soul. I can't say whether News of the World has a chance because I haven't seen that film yet. It's the only one of these five that I haven't seen. But I think Soul has it because, first of all, John Baptiste and Trent Reznor, as well as Trent Reznor's other collaborator, whose name I can't remember right now, um, made music that you don't normally associate with Trent Reznor. And if you don't believe me, look up, go to YouTube, look up the music video for Closer, and you'll get an idea of the music for which Trent Reznor is best known. And the the score he's done for movies like Seven and The Social Network are along those kind of industrial rock lines. But Trent Reznor certainly shows, I mean, along with John Baptiste, who is a fantastic jazz pianist, that he can collaborate with other people who are not who don't make the same kind of music that he does and still make great music. And I think that soul will win and should win. And Trent Reznor is also nominated for Mank, but I think he has it with soul. And before I leave, I'm just going to run down the best original songs. Uh, there's fight for you from Judas and the black Messiah. Hear my voice from the, from the trial of Chicago seven Husevic from Eurovision Song Contest, IOC Scene from The Life Ahead, and Speak Now from One Night in Miami. I am very surprised that at least one of the songs from Soul didn't get nominated for this category. Who's going to win? It's really hard to tell. My guess is that Speak Now might win, considering that One Night in Miami has uh, Leslie Odom Jr. playing Sam Cooke. And that might sway Oscar voters, but I really don't know. I think Husevic probably should win because that is a truly original song that I think was the strongest asset in the movie Eurovision Song Contest. But again, this one's a toss-up. Well, that's all the time I have for this episode of Words on Film. I always love talking about movies, and I hope you liked what you heard. If you did, please subscribe and rate the show and leave comments if you can. I would love to get your feedback, even if it's more criticism than praise. This has been Words on Film. I'm Dan Burke, and until my next episode, I'll see you at the movies.